Good morning, everyone. It's so good to see you. My name's John, and I lead a church, and that's Jill. And she's leading the service this morning, if you want to know who we are. Do you know, today is a great day. We know God, don't we? We want to move on with godly things and knowing God. So, it's coming. It's coming. There it is. Fantastic. Great. We've been looking at the spiritual disciplines in October and November. And so probably now you might be saying, the spiritual disciplines were excellent. But what's next? I've got some news for you. It's going to happen. There it is. What's next? I knew it was going to go there. What's next? If you were with us in October at a church council meeting, you'll know that over the next few months, we'll be looking at I Met Jesus. That's in January and February. We're looking at the Jewish festivals in April and May. The uh, Fiver Day, so that's the Fruit of the Spirit from Galatians in July and August. And in October and November, we'll look at Building the Wall. We'll be looking at Building the Wall. Yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm just sort of seeing if the light will go off. Then it's easier to see. That's, there we are. Look at that. Much better. So... What we want to think about over the next few weeks, Christmas, Advent, all these lovely things, and several just random messages, you might think, but not really. There's something I want us to think about today that's really important, and it's from one verse in the Bible. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, her baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered by him. Luke chapter 1, verse 41. The main thought that we're thinking about today is God interacts with us. God isn't a holy hermit that sits on some distant mountain and the clouds are below him and just keeps himself to himself. That's not what God is like. Remember, Jesus came to save sinners like us. And even today, God wants to interact with people like us. If we're famous film stars or presidents, well, there's some rubbish of those, aren't there? But do you know what I mean? If we were really big in the world, we'd think, yes, God would be delighted to know us. But we're all ordinary people. And the amazing thing is, God is still delighted to know us and wants to see us grow in him. When he was on earth, Jesus touched lepers. He touched people that were ceremonially unclean. He touched old people, young people, and then he changed them. And that's what's going to happen to us, isn't it? As we come into God's presence and follow him, so we're going to find out that God is still alive. Because of that, this is the thought for the day. God quickens So we're going to explore that a little bit. God interacts with us. God quickens. Remember, Luke 1, 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, her baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered by him. I think it's amazing. I love this verse because Jesus was touching people even when he was in Mary's womb. Do you know anyone else like that? Of course you don't. I don't even need need to let you think about that. Jesus was touching people. And John the Baptist was excited 
because he was doing a bit of kicking and all of that and leaping for joy because Mary and the saviour of the world had come to his house. Of course, he was still in the womb as well, of course, so he didn't really know that in a way. But God stirred him. God quickened him. There's a verb, skirteo, and it means to leap for joy, to skip and bound. Now, you know underneath this is a baptistry, so this is not the place to leap for joy. I know that, but at home, I leap for joy about all sorts of things. And it's such a good verb because it's only used three times in the New Testament. Twice in this chapter, so if you look at Luke chapter 1, you can just see it in verses 41 and 44. And also it's in Luke chapter 6, verse 23. It was a powerful moment, wasn't it? When Mary and Jesus inside her came to visit her cousin Elizabeth. John the Baptist hadn't been born yet. And yet he was quickened by Jesus' presence. Sometimes at this time of year, when we have nativity plays, and schools at the moment, I think, are videoing them, and then the parents see them online. That's a bit bad, isn't it? But just the way things are at the moment. But we look at Joseph, don't we? And we think, oh, there's Mary and Joseph. And then really we don't hear much more about Joseph in the Bible. But sometimes I think, well, what happened to John the Baptist's parents? Were they still alive when John, 30 years later, was baptising people in the River Jordan? And he was saying, repent of your sins. God is near. You need to do something in your lives. We don't know. There's people think that when the, the, uh, the innocents were destroyed uh, around that time when Jesus was born, that uh, Zechariah, jo- uh, John the Baptist's dad, was sort of murdered because he didn't want people to, the soldiers to know where the innocents were. But that's only kind of a tradition. But the thing was, Mary, uh, Elizabeth, was filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered by him. I don't know what happened in Elizabeth's and Zechariah's life, but they needed God in their lives. They needed the Holy Spirit to empower them, not just to bring John the Baptist up, but to live for God. Don't we need the same? We need God's presence in our lives, God's overflowing presence to help us. You can imagine Jesus being born. And you might think, oh yeah, loads of brilliant things are going to be happening because Jesus was born. And so all these other quickenings were happening at this time in Luke chapter 1 and 2. We had Mary singing, Zechariah saying things, and then there was angels and shepherds, Simeon in the temple, and Anna in the temple as well. And you might think, yeah, that's just God making sure everything's ready for his son to be physically born, so he was quickening people and making sure that things were ready. But that's not true. He did all those things, but that wasn't the only time that God quickened his people in the Bible. And we're going to look at a few of them today. One thing I've thought about as I've been reading these different events over the last few days is this. A quickening from God always led to action. 
when the Holy Spirit comes on us, it's not just to comfort us, encourage us. Sometimes God challenges us. Sometimes God puts us out of our comfort zone a little bit. He disciplines us. But you'd expect that, wouldn't you? Because we're his children. Let's look at some of these different events from the Bible then. Joshua and the Israelites conquer Jericho in Joshua chapter 6. Do you remember the story? The Israelites had crossed the Red Sea and then for decades, because of their sort of sinfulness, wickedness or whatever you want to call it, not putting God first, they wandered round the desert. But then Moses had died and all the other people had died But then they crossed the River Jordan. They remembered what God had done. You can read all about this in the early chapters of uh, the book of Joshua. But they remembered what God had done and thanked him. And then they consecrated themselves to God. Again, you can read about that if you want to. But after they consecrated themselves, the commander of the Lord's army, as he's called, came to Joshua. And so Joshua knew that he was on holy ground, so he took his sandals off and worshipped God. And it was there that he received a blueprint for what to do about Jericho. Now, you've probably read about Jericho or seen maybe artists' impressions, but it was a big city with big walls. Go around it six times and then go around it a few more times on the seventh day. What do you think? If, if you were Joshua, would you be saying, yes, I'm going to go for that? Or would you be saying, let me just think about that. Let me just have a committee to talk about it. Some of my big people, my army leaders and some of the civic leaders, we're going to have a chat about it. We'll have a vote. And if we think it's a good idea, then we'll perhaps go around it. And every day we'll just sort of come back for feedback. It's not what happened, is it? Why was that? Because Joshua had been quickened by God. He'd met God, and then a quickening from God led to action. And we know what happened. The walls came down. But only because Joshua did what God said. He took action. He didn't just think about it and write it down for other people to think about it. But together... They thought about it and then did it. A quickening from God would lead to action. What about another example? King Solomon building the temple. Now, we all know that King Solomon's dad, King David, was a man after God's own heart. But he didn't make the temple. It was Solomon who was quickened by God to do something really beautiful and massive. Have you ever been to Lincoln Cathedral? Durham Cathedral? How about Salisbury Cathedral? Been to those sort of places? They're massive, aren't they? Think about it. God's temple in Jerusalem was built maybe two and a bit thousand years before Durham and Lincoln and all these other big cathedrals. When I go into a cathedral like that, 
I just look at the ceiling and, yeah, there's all these people's names around and I ignore that, that bit. It doesn't matter to me. But I look at the big structure and I'm in awe of God because he encouraged people to worship there by building and then other people would be looking at those structures and be thinking, yeah, that's amazing. I want to worship God. It's the same with the temple. It was massive. You read some of the instructions about it, and you'll see what I mean. God is impressive. And so if people are worshipping in a kind of mediocre kind of place, then it kind of, you have to think about it a bit more. But this big temple that lasted around 400 years was impressive. It made people think bigger than their own sort of situations. Sometimes I read the Bible and I just think, oh Lord, what would happen if that happened today? And you can read about the uh, temple in in these chapters and verses there. But I'm just going to read just a a a small amount, 2 Chronicles 7, verses 1 to 3. As soon as, and this is at the dedication of the temple. As soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings and sacrifices And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord, because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. When all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord, just like we sang earlier, for he is good and his steadfast love endures forever. That was at the dedication, the fire of the Lord came down, And the priest, who had been, I bet, preparing for months and months, and they knew what they needed to do, but they couldn't do anything because they were in awe of God. I'd love there to be more moments like that in my life when all I can do is just sit down and say, Lord, all I can do is worship you and give you the glory because you're doing this or that in the world. And this in my life, or in people's lives that I I love. The temple got built, this massive structure, because Solomon was quickened by God. And a quickening from God leads to action. Let's think of another occasion. How about Elijah? on Mount Carmel. Again, you probably know about this very well. But Elijah was quickened by God to speak for God. It was dangerous. The king and his wife, they were pretty horrible people. They could have killed Elijah very easily. But God's hand was on him and he was quickened to do these amazing things for God. Do you remember what happened? The Baal prophets were trying to sort of uh, make the sacrifice happen. They're on about it for ages, hours and hours. And yet Elijah prayed, Lord, be glorified here. Let them see who you are. You've quickened me. Lord, will you quicken other people to know about you and see that you are the one true God and not a false God that does nothing. And the fire fell. People were quickened by God. 
quickening from God led to action. But that was hard for Elijah. How about another person? Perhaps you don't know him so well. Again, it's really hard for this person. His name's Hosea. And he's one of the prophets in the Old Testament, one of the minor prophets. God asked him to marry a prostitute. What would you think about that? If God was saying to you, look at so-and-so, Goma her name was, I want you to marry her because she's just a picture of what my people of Israel are like with me. I'd be praying, I'm sure there's someone else who's a lot more eligible to marry a prostitute than I am. Remember, we're all sinners and horrible people. But you'd be praying that to God, wouldn't you? I'd be sort of saying, are you really sure? Does this pretty girl down the road I like, God? Wink, wink. But God was saying, marry Goma. And what did Hosea do? He was quickened by God, and so he took action. And if you look at some of their children's names in Hosea chapter 1, I haven't got them listed here, but you'll see them, and you'll think, they're not very nice names. They're not names, because names have meanings. They're not names that I'd want to give to any children I had. And yet, Hosea was quickened by God, and he took action. Let's move on. You might think this is an easier one, but it's certainly not. Stephen, the martyr. Do you want the gift of martyrdom? Not really, do we? But Stephen was quickened by God. And he wasn't going to sit down, go into hiding, because he'd been quickened by God. He was leaping for joy in a way, because... He knew that God was calling him to stand up and not to do things in a more easy way. A quickening from God led to action. And that action was him standing up and saying, I forgive you, these people that were stoning him, and saying, I see the Lord, he's standing up. You can read it for yourself. There's the the, uh, references. But a quickening from God led to action. How about Paul? We read about him, and there's so many great uh, books of the Bible that Paul the Apostle wrote. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, you can read about how he was shipwrecked and uh, he, had, he was sort of flung in prison. Dozens, well, not dozens, but loads and loads and loads of different things. He had to endure because he was quickened by God and he took action but then life was difficult Jonah he was quickened by God weren't he what did he do took action it just happened to be he went somewhere else before he went where God intended him to do can I be honest sometimes that's me as well I'd like to be like Stephen I'd like to be like Solomon and all these other people but sometimes I'll go via Tarshish before I do what God wants me to do God quickens me and we'll talk about that in a little while and God quickens you I'm sure but sometimes we'd rather go somewhere else 
and hopefully feel the call of God to stay there rather than to go to a place that God is really calling us. If you want to see some more examples of God quickening people, maybe you can look at Hebrews chapter 11, because that's got dozens of them, aren't there? And read through the Bible and just think, yeah, God quickens people. God quickens. But the amazing thing is that at the end of the Bible, in Revelation... And I heard some people talking about this earlier today. God didn't retire. God didn't retire and write his memoirs. God didn't just say, oh, that's it now. I'm not going to do any more. I'm just going to write down what's going on, and that'll be that. God has been quickening people through the centuries. I bet you know some of these people, don't you? Have a look at them. I'll tell you some of their names. We've got Thomas Beckett. He was in the 12th century. John Wycliffe, 14th century. Martin Luther, 16th century. Count Zinzendorf and John Wesley in the 18th century. Do you remember, it was, I even found the date, 24th of May, 1738. John's heart, John Wesley's heart was strangely warmed. Now that sounds like a quickening to me. Charles Spurgeon, Fanny Crosby, they were in the 19th century. Eric Liddell, Martin Lloyd-Jones, Reinhard Bonker in the 20th century. I'll even put Nicky Gumbel on from the 21st century as well. But all of these people have had their lives quickened by God and then they took action. Shall I tell you some good news? And, and you know this already, but I'm going to still tell you. God still quickens today. It's not just famous Christians like Nicky Gumbel that God is quickening. But God is quickening us. And it's not just at significant major milestones or junctions in our lives when we're going to do a course or we're going to move house or whatever it might be. God wants to quicken your life today and tomorrow, and the next day. Remember, God isn't a holy hermit sitting on some distant hill. God is here. God is with us. All we need to do is sit down, switch everything off, and turn our hearts towards God, and saying, Lord, I want to know you, Will you help me? Even if you're not hearing from God, and I think we all do, but even if you're not, God is quickening you. Perhaps not with a fresh revelation, maybe, but there is no need to wait, I've put there, because in the Bible, as you read it, God can quicken us a lot through reading the Bible. I'll put a few examples here. I could have written several slides more of God's things for our lives. Put God first. He's shown us what is good. Worship in spirit and truth. Go the extra mile. Love your enemy as yourself. Fan into flame what the gift God's given you. Rejoice, pray and be thankful. Keep in step with the spirit. These are all things that you might want to just look up later on. 
Remember, all this is on our website. But God is calling us to live holy lives. So even if you're thinking, oh, I'm not a Joshua, I'm not, God's not telling me to go round the town hall six times, or God's not telling me to pray for someone downtown today, these are all things that God can quicken us to do. As we listen to him and put him first, so that's what we can expect because God quickens people and then we just naturally take action. How will God quicken you today? As you, as you spent time in prayer earlier today before you came or maybe as we worship together as a church in a little while, I wonder what God's going to say to you today. Does he want us to do something fresh and beautiful in your life? Your life might be in turmoil at the moment. There might be all sorts of things happening and you're just thinking, I just want to survive today, let alone have some fresh and beautiful. That just sounds way beyond what I can endure. But God loves us and he knows what we need and what's good for us and what we need to do to help other people as well. So how are you going to respond to God when you hear that little nagging voice coming to you in your mind or in your heart as you pray later or as you worship later? We often think about uh, William Temple, what he said about prayer and coincidences, don't we? And for me, coincidences don't really happen. Not very often. But it is God who is sorting things out as we tune ourselves into him. He can put us in the right place at the right time to talk to someone, to pray for someone, to encourage someone, just to smile at someone. What is God birthing in you that you're so sort of about at the moment because you're just thinking, is he saying this to me? God knows me, and yet he's given me this big thing to do, or a little thing to do. But God loves us all, and God is quickening us to do something for him. It might even be that as we've been thinking about the spiritual disciplines over the last two months, God might just say, yes, worship. Work on worship in your life, or service or solitude, all these other things we've been thinking about. Maybe God is saying that to you this morning. I want you to work on something. Don't just keep in the roots that you're in. But I love you. I want you to do something for me in your life. So as God quickens us, and he will, let's respond well. Let's not go to Tarshish. Let's go to where God wants us to go, to do what he wants us to do. Because just like John the Baptist's mum, who was empowered by God, so as God quickens us, so we can be empowered by God as well. So I'm going to pray, and then Jill's going to come and lead us and help us to respond to that as she sees fit. So Lord, we do thank you for all these people that were quickened in the Bible by you.
Lord, we thank you that that quickening wasn't just for a lovely feeling or just to be talked about, but Lord, we know that these quickenings led to action. In our lives, Lord, will you empower us to make a difference to those around us, whether it's in a small way or just a ginormous way. We don't care, Lord. What we care about is you being glorified. We're sorry, Lord, when we have chosen not to follow you and doing what you say. We're sorry, Lord, when our preferences have been more important to us than your preferences for what you want to do in our lives. Will you forgive us, Lord? Will you come and empower us, empower us all again? Because we want to be your disciples, your good and faithful servants. So we open our lives to you and say, come and quicken us about what you desire and help us to be ready and cheerful as we put into action what you'd want us to do, Lord. Amen.